You're listening to ABS in Mind, a bi-weekly podcast bringing you the latest buzz from the asset-backed markets. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is ABS in Mind, and today we will be discussing the best work-from-home tips during quarantine. Just kidding, of course, but hoping everyone is safe and well during these crazy times. As always, we have a great lineup today of top of mind issues in the ABS market, so let's get started. First on, we have Albert Yoon, Associate Editor and RMBS Reporter with Deathwire ABS. Al, what's on your mind today? Hey, Diana. Um, I'll be speaking about uh, the both the uh, residential and commercial mortgage bond markets. Um, you know, a lot of people out there have seen uh, somewhat of a rebound, so to speak, in the stock market, but it's probably been the worst week yet in the uh, mortgage bond markets. Interesting. All right. Next, we will, next we will have uh, Yizhu Wang, uh, our guest from the merger market team. Yizhu, what's on your mind? Hi, Diana. Thanks for having me. Uh, while the I mean, market is heavily disrupted at this time, uh, we do see many processes are getting delayed. But actually, according to data and insights shared by some providers of virtual data rooms, we're also seeing that companies are thinking past the pandemic. Um, and lastly, I'll uh, talk about some of the pressures in the small business lending sector, which is um, uh, arguably one of the first hit uh, sectors uh, throughout this whole pandemic. Right. So, Al, if we could get started with uh, some of the mortgage and CMBS issues, please. Sure. Well, uh, in the mortgage market, and we're talking about uh, what we call the non-agency market here. So we're talking about uh, bonds with uh, mortgages that haven't been securitized by Fannie and Freddie. Um, but uh, there's been enormous selling this week, um, mostly from REITs and leverage funds. And uh, basically, that's because uh, prices have fallen so far that uh, the funds are getting redemptions and the REITs are getting margin calls. Um, and uh, normally that wouldn't be such a problem, but the speed at which everything has happened uh, within say two week, two, two week period just caught everybody off guard. And so you have this enormous supply in the market causing indigestion. And when that happens, prices fall even further. Um, so what happened uh, over on, on starting on Sunday, believe it or not, not even a regular trading day, is you had funds putting out billions of dollars in RMBS into the market and uh, and trying to uh, raise money and uh, basically reduce their uh, REITs reducing their risk so they can handle their margin calls. Um, uh, but uh, you know that just the level of selling in and of itself has, has caused a lot of. Uh, chaos in in trading you know i mean if you're in the market and you see this happening then you're likely to say oh my god what am i going to do you know and basically when prices fall it drags prices down for everybody else who has to mark to market which means you know your average mutual fund that has held these things uh, for a long time uh and just to put it in perspective the rmbs selling side of it anyway is um over the past two weeks, probably more than $22 billion in these bonds have been put out for the bid and traded, according to uh, uh, FINRA's uh, trace system. And uh, by contrast, um, in any normal week, you might see, oh, three or four billion traded. So that's an enormous increase. And wow. uh, that's that's caused um, uh, a lot, lot more worry in the market. And again, 
even as uh, the stock market and high yield bond markets seem to stabilize a little bit, uh, the prices on, in these um, RMBS markets and also non-agency CMBS markets uh, just keep falling. And it's this vicious cycle because, you know, the more prices fall, uh, the more redemptions the funds will get and the more margins calls that the REITs will get. Um, and there's some very interesting things happening uh, with the REITs. I mean, if you're not with a REIT, you'll, I mean, people will say, you know, idle speculation that they are all in trouble. Well, they're probably not all in trouble, uh, but they're all hurting. Uh, Two Harbors Investment Corp, for instance, uh, this is a REIT that is focused on uh, agency MBS, uh, agency mortgage servicing rights, and also these non-agency mortgage bonds that we're talking about. Over the past two years, uh, the executives uh, there at Two Harbors had been taking on some of the, arguably some of the riskiest non-agency RMBS out there. Um, you know, things that are trading at 66 cents on the dollar, for instance, last quarter, they were saying. And uh, that's interesting because, you know, up until a month ago, everybody thought the, the housing market was, I mean, you couldn't go wrong by betting on the residential housing market. Um, Deanna, you were at the uh, Structured Finance Vegas conference with me a month ago. And, uh, you know, going into that, everybody was bullish on so almost every asset class, it seemed. <laughs> right. So it's just, the, you know, again, you know, can't stress enough the speed at which all this is happening has just thrown everybody sort of off, you know, off base. And uh, I'm not sure what the end result will be. Um, you know, like I was sort of alluding to, people are thinking that this uh, may result in failure of some REITs or some of the REITs that were more leveraged and REITs that may be still getting marching calls. Um, uh, as an aside, by the way, uh, it seems that uh, you know, the REITs are trying to uh, make deals with their lending counterparties and basically uh, get some forbearance on the margin calls. And uh, they all want that, but uh, they're, we haven't heard anybody actually, you know, making these deals. Uh, on the contrary, you know, we've seen uh, RBC, Royal Bank of Canada, uh, basically exercise its margin calls on uh, Angela Gordon's re AG Mortgage Investment Trust. And uh, AG Mortgage Investment Trust is now suing RBC to try to uh, stop further uh, margin calls and basically say that RBC is using this uh, pandemic and the panic surrounding it to uh, basically seize these securities. So it's a lot of drama behind the scenes there, Deanna. It, it looks um, like it. I mean, the volumes you talk, you're talking about is just insane to imagine, especially the comparative numbers you provided. But is there, I mean, this might be a crazy question to ask given how quickly everything changes, but what's the anticipation? Like, do they do investors feel like next week they're going to have to dive into the same type of uh, selling frenzy? Well, um, I'm just looking at the numbers from yesterday. I mean, the numbers from yesterday, uh, I mean, things that seem to be tailing off a little bit mm -hmm. in these markets. Um, so maybe, I mean, somebody used the term fatigue with me uh, <laughs> late yesterday. There's some fatigue out there. And so uh, that doesn't mean that uh, things won't start up again, however. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, on the other side of things, you know, I've mentioned how badly these prices have done. Um, for instance, uh, subprime uh, legacy RMBS, these are the bonds that were uh, made before the last financial crisis. Um, the spreads on those were, 
something like 100 basis points over the swap rate, and now they're maybe 500 to 600 basis points over the swap rate. And uh, same thing in, the, in even newer uh, prime jumbo RMBS. These are the bonds, uh, you know, made uh, uh, since the financial crisis. And um, since they're prime jumbo, theoretically, to, you know, the, some of the best most creditworthy borrowers out there, and even the yields on those have uh, have tripled or quadrupled. So we have heard of some people uh, diving in, and you know, if you have money to put to work, you have to think that wow, these are some bargains. Um, but uh, you know, people are doing that very gingerly because um, you know, I think the, the sort of the overriding theme for anything that you hear from anybody is like, how long will this coronavirus coronavirus crisis last? Mm. Um, you know, is how 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 much how much more will the infection rate accelerate? Um, so, with that great unknown out there, um, you're really not having anybody you know jump in uh, with both feet by any stretch of the imagination. Right, definitely um, a lot of drama there. And in terms of how the prices are, um, you know, keep uh, performing so badly, will the does the fatigue help with the price stabilization a little bit? Uh, it doesn't. Um, I haven't seen the numbers for for this week, but uh, I'm told that. Uh, they're um, basically the same or worse than Monday. Monday was uh, really the sort of the you know big downdraft day for these for these markets, mm -hmm. and um, no, I mean there like I say, there's uh, nobody is uh, is really sort of uh, jumping in just because the prices are so much lower. Um, you know, two reasons: one, because still great uncertainty about about the coronavirus coronavirus crisis, and two. Um, you know, you don't want to, as they say, catch the proverbial falling knife. Um, and so nobody is really sort of jumping in with both feet. No big buyers anyway. You know, we yeah. certainly hear of some smaller accounts, uh, you know, taking up and, as they say, providing liquidity to the market. <laughs> but just the fact that uh, prices are still falling means that there is not nearly enough, quote unquote, liquidity for this market. So I don't know uh, where it's going to end. And uh, as an aside, I know you're, I know you're going to talk about uh, small business lending, Deanna. Mm -hmm. uh, on the uh, loan origination side, you know we cover non-agency uh, loan originations here too, and uh, the market that some people might have heard about is what they call the non-QM market, which is basically you know making loans to people who can't qualify for uh, Fannie, Fannie and Freddie eligible uh, mm -hmm. financing. Um, but uh, that market is basically shut down. You have the biggest lenders out there, Angel Oak, Citadel, Sprout Mortgage. They've all put a quote unquote pause on their uh, funding for any loans out there. And that uh, can be traced all the way back to the bond market because with the bond market basically behaving like it is, mm -hmm. then uh, the investors who buy these non-QM loans from the originators, they've had to stop. You know, mm -hmm. they can't take anything that is, uh, you know, perceived as risky on their books right now either. Uh, they don't want to hold on balance sheet and they sure can't securitize it in this market. So everything is just frozen. That's, I think that's a kind of an umbrella statement for a lot of the markets that uh, we cover. And I think that's why I wanted to have uh, Yuju, um come in on our podcast today because 
is despite like whatever is happening in the bond market, everybody is frozen. Deal making making is basically stopped right now because nobody wants to jump into this uncertainty. It looks like that the the M and A sector is actually finding um, this situation a little more opportunistic. So, usually, could you give us uh, a little more color on what you're seeing in the M and A space? Yeah, sure, happy to. Um, so overall, for M and A, we are seeing across industries there is, as you mentioned, a lot of uncertainty at this time, and uh, many processes were getting delayed for various reasons. Um, so, like most directly, travels and in-person meetings these days are heavily limited, so making it very difficult to complete even the most basic procedures like management presentations. Um, not to mention all of the issues and complexity around、uh, valuation and financing these days, especially if you are a fintech and your business model is tied to payments transactions,、um, interest rate, or trading volume. There are so many unusual factors to navigate right now.、Um, but it seems that dealmakers are still busy in the sense that everyone is trying to figure out、um, what's the bottom line of this situation and. What's the further implications? So last week I spoke with、um, several virtual data room providers. According to what they shared with us,、um, it's actually companies right now are more active than usual, setting up data repositories to enable online cooperations,、um, and also getting themselves for getting themselves ready for M&A asset sales or financing events、um, as soon as the market stabilizes going forward. Um, so there are some interesting data points that they shared with us.、Um, one of the data、uh, virtual data room provider, Merrill Corporation. Now they reported to DataSight. So they saw the number of new projects increased twenty percent year over year compared、um, to last year、uh, in the first week of March,、uh, meaning more companies right now are setting up data repositories.、Um, To be able to share all the documents with their employees, with their、uh, financial advisors, law firms, accounting firms, and potentially getting themselves ready for whatever events that may may come to their way.、Um, so,、um, and also another interesting trend is that、um, among the new data rooms、um, set up on data site in the past ten days,、um, they are particularly seeing. An increase in the unsolicited offers made by strategic buyers, which meaning more corporations probably are looking to、uh, acquire some potential assets right now.、Um, yeah. So at the beginning, our、um, team here was also curious about、um, how deal makers are trying to keep the pace and、um, adjust to the new norm of working from home. So it's also an interesting trend I'm seeing、uh, across those fintech software providers.、Uh, their usage is getting higher these days because at this point, um, um, I think many of us have already benefited from using the general online business tools like teleconferencing or messaging. Um, but to facilitate some financial activities such as M and A,、uh, the tools for communications especially need to meet with higher standards of security and confidentiality. So it's、uh, right now a good time for the companies to.、Um, uh, so right now it's a good time for、uh, for corporations to. Um, start more thinking about their digital collaboration opportunities, and right now、uh, it 
it fits with what we're seeing uh, in terms of the spike of activity from the data, uh, virtual data rooms. It's interesting. So have you, uh, with all this activity that's going on, have you seen any, um, uh, I guess, significant deal making in the space yet? Or is that still kind of in the in the exploratory um, side of things? Uh, right now, it's still pretty much at very early stage. So across the industries, um, right now we're hearing um, if a deal is scheduled at a very early stage right now, it's very hard to keep it move right now. And everyone is just need to need more time to figure out how to understand the current uh, market volatility situation. Um, and also, um, I did hear some from some, um, no, I cannot mention sources, sorry. Um, <laughs> I did hear some, I did hear about some situations that are moving forward um, because the strategic fit just makes sense so much. It doesn't matter how the market volatility goes. Um, so I think some particular deals are still getting to um, be moved forward. In what sectors are you seeing those deals? Is it more uh, fintech deals uh, coming into place for all the trends that you mentioned, um, you know, related to technology and remote access and digital finance? Yeah, so the remote technology trend is um, applied on across the industries. Mm -hmm. And um, because the virtual data rooms, they are used by usually the sales side corporations across all the industries. And uh, it's actually interesting that um, um, industries that are getting hit harder um, in this current situation, such as um, hospitality, travel, or restaurant, they're but data rooms are seeing more activities for those industries because they would need more um, tools right now to navigate, for example, the cash flow, the business activities, and also those uh, virtual data room providers, they have the tools for um, some business recovery plans. And the last question I had on this is, um, you know, from my end, I also look at a lot of the fintech platforms and there were several deals on the debt side of things that were in the pipeline before this pandemic hit. And, you know, you could say across the board, almost all of them got either postponed or, you know, altogether just canceled. Was wondering in terms of what the existing pipeline looked like for the M&A or what the sentiment looked like for the M&A versus now, have there been any deals that you were just like, you know, these are never going to happen again? Um, I think right now for fintech um, particularly, a very interesting trend is that um, many uh, buyers are more interested right now because in the past few years, the valuation in the fintech sector has been record high. And this situation is actually a good market cor correction on their valuation. Um, probably some sellers would not choose to um, be sold at this point because of uh, lower valuation than previous, but more buyers are definitely interested in making the move. Um, also, another trend I'm, I'm hearing is that um, this would be the first time for many fintech categories to undergo a real economic recession. So probably many business models uh, created in the past decade, which was which has always been a bull market, uh, low market volatility, and a thriving economy. Those business models will be tested and probably some uh, emerging fintech models or the smaller players may not be able to um, make through this 
um, tough time. Uh, so probably some buyers would be more interested in uh, grab market share by consolidating those players. That's a, actually a good segue um, to uh, what I was going to discuss, which is a uh, small business uh, lending um, sector. And that's one of the sectors, like usually, like you said, you know, that is going, uh, undergoing its first actual market correction for its first recession test. And uh, it is also one of the small businesses uh, across the US were the first to take a hit due to, due to the nationwide lockdown orders. And you know many of those businesses have been funded by either small business lending platforms or merchant, merchant cash advance providers. And now there is a certain dilemma in that sector. There is a huge demand from borrowers, um, which are the small businesses that have been very cash strapped due to all the shutdowns, but the origination have slowed or completely stopped uh, in the sector um, for several platforms because the institutional funders have been pulling back a lot and cutting their risk across the sectors and small business lending is certainly um, considered a risky sector. Um, and of course, the government has recognized this and there is currently a $300 billion loan program awaiting for a congressional approval and sources seem to think that it will definitely get approved. But the question here is that, you know, how quickly will these funds be dispersed? So the funds are intended for businesses that have fewer than 500 employees and under the bill loans can be used to meet payroll and um, cover expenses, um, including the utilities and insurance premiums. And the Small Business Administration together with the network of banks uh, and other lenders will be expected to disperse the funds. And in addition, dozens of fintech lenders like Square and Ondag have sent a letter to Congress offering their fast loan origination technology um, that you know can provide almost immediate access to funds um, to which could definitely make a difference to many of these cash-strapped businesses because um, JP Morgan estimates that about 40% of all U.S. employees work at small businesses, so their well-being is crucial for the overall economy. But while all these bills are getting approved and people are waiting um, for the relief to come their way, we've reported on many platforms, including Square, scaling back on loan origination. OnDeck, for instance, has uh, de indefinitely delayed its ABS transaction as a uh, access to capital markets is probably shut, is basically shut down for this sector and many other ABS sectors. And in fact, uh, investors are already telling us that many of these SMB uh, lending platforms, especially the smaller ones, have approached them for emergency capital, meaning for credit lines that are uh, much more expensive than what they could qualify for previously. And, you know, we're talking about uh, lenders that could get a six, seven uh, percent uh, cost uh, credit line now that we are looking at double digits, um, definitely mid-teens. And the uh, merchant cash advance sector in particular, the things have been seem to be even worse in there. Um, sources say it's inevitable that many of these merchant cash advance uh, providers will shut down. So the thing with um, these platforms is they fund, um, receive, they, they provide receivables financing. And these are really high um, interest rate um, advances that uh, businesses are expected to pay off in, you know, in less than a year in most cases. And uh, if you don't basically have funds coming in and you're not able to meet your receivables, uh, you are basically not paying these off. So the unique issue for this sector is that they heavily rely on the U.S. court system for a lot of their collection efforts. Uh, because as you can imagine, a lot of them just don't, um, a lot of the, their borrowers just default on um, the advances all of the time. 
And with courts being shut down or a lot of them just delaying non-urgent uh, hearings, the collections have been delayed as well. And our sources are saying this will basically lead to many of these MCA platforms just completely dying or being acquired by others. In, in, in fact, just yesterday we uh, reported about um, one of the bigger um, direct lenders, Arena Investors. They're New York-based. They took over uh, one of the companies that they used to fund Platinum Rapid Funding in the MCA sector, and the Platinum had to slash most of their employees just for all the issues that we that I've already um, discussed here. And, you know, in the end, no one knows how long this pandemic will last, but the sector is heavily relying on all the government relief that can come their way. But everybody is just um, looking at the timing of things and really uh, debating whether the funds will come in fast enough to prevent um, a more larger scale crush for the sector. You just uh, sort of answered the question I was going to ask you, which is uh, about the level of confidence that businesses and lenders to businesses have uh, about this proposed and probable U.S. Uh, bailout of uh, consumers and businesses. Um, I ask this because uh, I'm here in, in the Hudson Valley and I've got a friend who uh, closed up her her uh, salon uh, mm -hmm. and basically, you know, is skeptical about this program because she says, well, you know, if I have to take a loan, I still have to pay it back. But uh, I understand that, uh, so, you know, that maybe not have to happen. I mean, it may be really free money. And if that's the case, and that's uh, probably a game changer for her business. Yeah, I haven't heard of it actually being free money for consumers. Yes, there is um, a plan. Businesses, businesses. Yeah, for for businesses, I haven't really heard of any free money plans yet. These are loans still. They're very low cost, it seems like, but nothing about, you know, you're not having to pay it back, I don't think. Um yeah, but it's it is a big question about timing. You know, this hasn't the bill hasn't even been signed yet, and uh, how quickly can the banks provide? Because current plan is SBA will SBA will probably basically recruit the banks to provide these loans. But how quickly are bank banks equipped to provide these loans? Can they do it over the phone, or would you have to do it online? Do they have online capabilities like a lot of the fintechs do? And that's you know what why the fintechs were writing letters to Congress saying, you know, you can have our technology for free, our networks for free to disperse all these funds. But, you know, I, like I said, a lot of questions and for, for those small businesses, five days, seven days, 10 days makes a huge difference. Yeah, I was also curious about what you're seeing on what role that SBA or the government can provide to support the small business at this time and their lenders, of course. Uh, recently, I spoke with a uh, non-bank direct commercial lender who um, lending to the SMBs, um, they are actually seeing a very peak, very, they are actually seeing a huge increase in the inquiries um, they received from SMBs uh, from early March. And they had to post upon an equity raise plan to prioritize making loans to small businesses time. Um, and they are a SBA lender, meaning they, the, the lend, meaning that 80%, up to 80% of the loans they provide will be guaranteed by SBA in a case of a default. Um, I was curious, do you think the SBA can possibly play a bigger role here in supporting the small business across the country? 
they and they are and they are you know everything that's uh, going on in the government right now they are very actively in, involved both in terms of advocacy and in, in terms of like all the resources that they have uh, with access to the their member lenders uh but this is also new for SBA too and they are not you know they're not this technologically advanced superpower that could just uh do everything in a matter of seconds. They also have very limited employees. A lot of them work from home and it's really also hard to navigate, you know, how much you can do in this kind of a situation. And before we get to SBA, um, we have to just sit out and wait um, on with what, what what's going to happen to um, all the relief that's coming our way or not coming our way yeah. and then yeah the last question i guess i wanted to touch on is uh the bonds that are backing some of these and then some of the bonds that are backed by some of these um, smb lending firms you know in terms of securitizations this market has never been um that active because loans are so short term and there aren't that many buyers in the space and that's the one thing that my sources um have said could actually help hold up some of the values of these bonds because um, uh, investors are not crazy selling them because they know they won't be um, getting uh, good prices on them. So a lot of the investors that, and there are very few of them that invest in these ABS deals, a lot of them just hold on to these deals uh, for now. And it all dependent on how long this um, pandemic will last. But for now, there isn't much trading or a crazy price drop coming out. However, Kroll did raise some um, red flags um, in, in, you know, in kind of watching the deals. And uh, they do expect that some of them could start hitting triggers if the pandemic goes for so long for all the re reasons that you know we've mentioned today um meaning uh businesses getting shut down and not being able to pay off their loans um but again there is very few deals uh, to watch uh, and there haven't been any um triggers that have been tripped so far just one thing i wanted to add about the wreath sector if that's all mm -hmm. right just uh, coming full circle on those guys um you know, so we've been talking a lot. I, be, I was talking a lot about uh, how they're suffering right now from margin calls and having to sell into a down market. Um, that's one thing. But uh, I, I was on the phone with uh, a, a former REIT executive and uh, uh, who's no longer uh, in that market. And uh, uh, he may have an ax to burn, but he had something interesting to say, um, which is that uh, REITs are suffering from a heart attack now but he says it's, uh, it's the cancer that will ultimately kill them. And mm -hmm. that is that rates are really, really low. Um, and basically that it's going to um, affect the margins quite a lot. And that's what they survive on. So I thought that was an interesting comment uh, for him to give me. Um, again, uh, you know, maybe he wants that to happen, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll see how strong, uh, how strong their balance sheets are to sort of survive this current onslaught. That's a very uh, grim way to end this uh, podcast. I'll thank you very much as always. Um, and thank you all for uh, tuning in. Thank you and Christian and Albert for making this episode happen and hope everyone is uh, safe and well and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to ABS in Mind. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Deadwire and follow us on social media. Please like, share, and comment, and join us for our next episode soon.